Hey everyone, so thank you for joining us for the Aesthetic Immersion Podcast. We'll be talking about all things aesthetics, fillers, threads, lasers, neurotoxin techniques, and, and even interviewing people in the aesthetic community. So thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoy. Hello guys. Hi everybody. How's everybody doing tonight? <laughs> <laughs> We're doing good. We have a um, fun stuff to talk about tonight that's going to be, it's going to be good for everybody actually because it's not, it's things that we've navigated with our patients for years. Kind of a bitch, right? Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> we've done well, sometimes we haven't done well. So we'll share all that with these you. Are, these are your PETA clients. The PETA clients. <laughs> Pain yeah. in the clients. <laughs> neck. Pain in the neck clients. <laughs> So we'll be, we, we will be discussing all that stuff tonight. So it'll be kind of interesting. All right. Well, um, welcome to AI Live, everyone. Yeah. If you haven't joined us before, um, well, this is for us to just chit-chat. <laughs> chit-chat and just shoot the... Shoot the breeze? Shoot the breeze. <laughs> <laughs> We've already worked all day long with our patients. We're just going to shoot the breeze. So we want to kind of go through a little bit of um, um, kind of what we've been doing this last month. Where have we been this since AI Live last, oh, well, in the last three or four three weeks. weeks? Yeah. Ooh, I've been working. Working <laughs> like nonstop. <laughs> when literally. don't you don't work? When, when do you <laughs> no, not work? No, literally, I think it was nonstop for 13 days straight. <laughs> Actually, even worked on the Sunday. Not good, but um, private trainings, trainings for threads, training for this. I even went to Hawaii, came back this past Sunday, so I was gone for a whole week. And worked while you were there. <laughs> ended up working while I was there. So my one week vacation ended up being a two and a half day vacation. And then I worked the other three, four days. So, and then we leave, was it, I work this week and then we leave next week and we're at Aesthetic Next. So yeah. if you're at Aesthetic Next, come by, say hi. We do have an a Aesthetic Immersion booth there. Yeah, come um, by and say hi to us, you guys. And then I go to Korea. You're never home. <laughs> He's never around. I never see my work husband. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a busy, busy thing. You've been busy too. Yeah, we're never, yeah, I, I work like similar to you. I was in Tucson after our last AI, did some Galdorma trainings. The following weekend was in Florida doing Galdorma trainings and speaking and then some private trainings last weekend. Nice. Yeah. How fun. Busy. And then we're in I Dallas know. and then... I'm in Delaware after that, and then... You go on vacation. And then I go on vacation. She actually goes on vacation. A, a real, real vacation. real vacation. <laughs> don't text me. Don't call me. I'm on a boat. I'm DM on a her boat. all day long. <laughs> Just keep DMing her with all your questions. You know she can't have, let go of I'll it. I'll have all the time in the world to answer DMs because I'll be on a boat. So it's great. I love it. I love it. All right. All right. Well, let's quickly go over a few housekeeping things. So we do have... Oh, since we are going to be in Dallas um, on, was it not ne not this week, next week, we do have our um, Aesthetic Immersion, uh, our, we're working with Aesthetic Next, and we have our Foundations for Next Level Injectors class that is going to be on the Wednesday. It's the day before um, the actual conference starts in Dallas. Um, so that's n Wednesday, September the 7th. So if you have not registered and you want to register it's our foundations we have a level one that goes over all your foundational knowledge of toxins and fillers and complications and then there's a level two if you sign up for level two you actually get level one included level two includes you coming in and watching 
Um, a lot of the KOLs inject different areas from temples to under eyes, a lot of cool um, injections and you can watch different injectors and their injection techniques. So um, if you have not joined, it'll be an amazing uh, fun day uh, in Dallas, September the 7th. Yep. And then we have um, our foundations for advanced aesthetics um, and foundations uh, for advanced aesthetics for dentists. We have that course October 8th. We have some spots open in October. They always fill up really fast though. In fact, mm -hmm. we always overbook. We, we try not to overbook, but we like to keep these classes very, very intimate and very comprehensive. So we don't allow a lot of people in these courses, but we've got um, some spots open for October. And then we have a webinar uh, on the 18th of October, all about injecting high-risk areas. So we're gonna go through a lot of anatomical um, sites information, um, things that you want to know if you are injecting high-risk areas or what you might not have known about those. Mm -hmm. So that'll be fun. Webinars on high-risk areas. And I'm then keep... the cowboy. And I maybe we'll actually do some Where's your hat? We need your cowboy hat on, dude. <laughs> I'm not a cowboy. I'm not a cowgirl. <laughs> you have a high-risk tolerance for your patients mm -hmm. and I have a very low-risk tolerance for my patients. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we have... Keep in mind, we have our mentorship available. So... Mm. Yeah. Our mentorship, um, we've been so, so happy to hear from our mentees how uh, how wonderful this is for them and how yeah. much they continually to watch all the videos, hundreds of hours of videos. We have three different levels you can have. Of course, we love the Founders Level because the Founders Club is one where we meet with you on a Zoom call and we get to see you and talk with you once a month, which is really fun for us because we get to see people from all over the world and, and talk with them. And those are recorded. So if you're in an area where you're sleeping, well, you got to watch it later. But we love to watch with, you know, talk with you live. And we have a lot of really fun stuff. Like when we go to some of the meetings, we have meet and greets and wine and cheese parties with all of our, our, our mentees with our mentorship program. So it's really nice to help be a mentor to some of you who don't have someone to answer questions and you can get onto the community page and, and ask questions and get them answered if you don't have someone with you. So it's really a kind of a cool thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a digital library all on your own to really learn and you have access to us to ask questions. Um, that's why we call it a mentorship. Yeah. All right. So, we are, I think housekeeping is done. So, yeah. we're going to jump into tonight's topic. Kind of interesting, kind of needed, um, because I think, I think when you are a newer injector or practitioner in the field, you get stepped all over. <laughs> you don't want to say no, you don't want you know. Because yeah. one thing is if you own your own business, you don't want the person going somewhere else and potentially losing the business. You, secondarily, you're just not confident enough to say no sometimes. Um, and thirdly, sometimes you just don't know how to respond to the patient. I think um, some requests are out of the ordinary and some are just plain and simple slap in your faces yeah. type of requests. And so um, kind of, you know, we'll kind of delve into some of the things that we've been going through where we've gone through and how we've dealt with it and some were great some were bad <laughs> yeah yeah and it's it's just you know always remember that that you are the provider they're the patient and w like when you are a patient you're interviewing your provider so they're they're interviewing us and they're vetting us um, to make sure that we are a good fit and sometimes the patient might think they're a really good fit, but we as a provider know that they're not a good fit for us. And um, we probably won't really d develop that trusting relationship. And we, we kind of have to know when to when to kind of say no and send them down the road to other 
places maybe. Yeah, yeah. for sure. All right, we have a quick PowerPoint to kind of just guide us a little bit. You have some questions with regards to this. So we're gonna jump into that. Guys, can you put that up? All right, so navigating difficult patient conversations. Um, disclaimer, disclaimer as always. It's you know us, me. okay. <laughs> so tell us about a time you've dealt with a difficult patient and how you've handled it. Ooh. There's so many of these. Right. How do you? How do we? Choo- <laughs> how do we choose? Which one do we choose? Um, we deal with this a lot. You know, I I think um, I can tell you recently, I had a patient that came in that was a referral from another provider who didn't know me and mm-hmm. didn't know. Like people come in from Instagram, right? You get people from Instagram, you're already vetted. They know you. They know what you're like. They know how you treat patients, where you're, where you, um, where you kind of excel, where you, just how you talk. And I think patients seek their own level. I think patients will come to providers who they think that they can, kind of communicate with and, and gel with. So I find that a lot of patients right. that come from Instagram, I gel with. But you can't. When people come in from Google or from another provider, not only do they not know you, they don't know your experience. They don't know your value system. They don't know anything. So you kind of have to vet yourself a little bit. So when I let people know, like, look, you came in from another provider, so let me tell you a little bit about myself. And they give you the little, like, you talk, start talking about, you know, your teaching and education and, and experience in, in aesthetics, and they kind of give you this, like, <laughs> and right away you're like, okay, they are distrusting. This person's not, and then you start talking about what they might need, and, you know, I, I think you should probably do, you know, this syringe or this filler or this, whatever, whatever you recommend, and they st- they're just sitting there like this. Because <laughs> they don't trust. They don't, you can tell that they don't trust you at all. And if you can't gain someone's trust mm. by just vetting yourself or by letting them know what you know about products, you can go down to the molecular structure of things and they're still like, mm, I don't believe you. Then that might not be a good relationship. To might have. not? <laughs> You're like, Probably I'll send the patient to you. No, thanks. <laughs> Everybody loves me. <laughs> they do. No, they You're don't. always giggling. No, I mean, I have had difficult patients. I think mean, the, the more difficult ones are the ones that are adamant and think they know what needs to be done and mm-hmm. how it should be done and why it should be done. I know there was this one patient in my particular mind that's probably one of the only patients or a few patients that I've actually kind of raised my voice at saying, if you're not going to do it kind of the way I need to do it, we're not going to do it all. And we kind of got to almost that point where I was like, raising my voice. And, you know, I typically don't. I typically kind of try and explain the situation out, kind of explain this is the reason why I think it's this way, kind of educate from a science point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think and sometimes they, they're just so ingrained because they've seen what other people have done and they think it applies to them. And that's where I think it becomes a difficult situation because it ultimately it's something that you you, you want the best for your patients. Mm-hmm. And when they don't understand where you're coming from because they've seen Instagram, they've seen social media, they've seen their patients or their friends get certain things done and they expect that same result. And you're like, you don't have the anatomy that fits that. You don't have um, the need for it. Um, yet they're adamant for it. Yet you're knowing where they're, the problem is you know what their expectation is and like you know how you could potentially get them to that but they're so stuck on this type of a treatment is going to get me this result 
And, you know, majority of times I think I can explain it out. I love analogies. If you know me, I like try to create analogies <laughs> for everything <laughs> possible. Um, but, you know, that was one of the first, that was one of the patients that sticks in my mind. I'm like, I end up really honestly kind of really raising my voice at her, almost like yelling at her. Uh, and to the point where I was like, okay, if you're not going to do it this way, I can't help you out because you, this is not appropriate for you. So I'm going to bow out of this one and we're not going to do anything today. And then they turned around and flipped around that. Well, no, 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 I, but, but I want to do it. So let's do it the way you're at. I'm like, oh, I just spent like half an hour talking to you about this. So those are the ones you have to, uh, those are very difficult ones. <laughs> it's really, it's tough, you know, and you try really hard to win them over um, with kill them with kindness and, and how much we know about things and sometimes you, they just you just you see that wall and you can't you can't break that wall down and if you don't break down that little patient provider wall where where you have some trust i don't i don't want to treat somebody who doesn't trust me yeah. i don't i don't want to yeah. I, I don't have that relationship that i think is a good relationship yeah i mean at the end of the day they should be coming to you because you are the experienced one you have mm -hmm. done your homework you've done your education to at least do the best that you can with the knowledge base that you can. You know, I think practitioners, definitely you have to hold yourself to a higher standards and educate yourself. Spend the time, spend the money, spend, um, you know, spend the effort to actually go out and challenge yourself to continue learning. You know, just because you get comfortable in your zone of the way you do things, there's always potentially something that's better. You know, ultimately I know, uh, like RF microneedling. I was like, okay, we have great machines. We're, we're doing great with them. And then luckily, you know, they, we were filming and one of the companies came in and was filming with their micro RF. And I was just watching it just to see what it was all about. Like <laughs> what, what makes yours so special? I'm like, mm, it's all the same. And watching him explain it from the science and watching him do it. I was like, Oh, whoa, wait a minute, I need to really, really understand this even better because I thought I understood it and actually I really don't understand it. Um, and, and so I think being open to it, um, challenging yourself to get more educated is going to help you be able to deal with these difficult patients because at least you're going to have the experience and the confidence and the knowledge to be able to explain out things whether it is from a typically for me it's based off of the science or an education on why they're aging and how this is going to approach their aging process mm -hmm. and help them with that if they don't believe that well then if they don't believe that then <laughs> they're never going to believe you on anything and yeah. so that may be a patient you just wash your hands because as much as you could take their money now they're going to be back in a couple of weeks demanding that they get a refund back. And now you're out the treatment time and the treatment cost and everything like that. So you guys have to also look at it as from a business standpoint, the long term things versus the short term gain mm -hmm. versus potentially the long term effect on your business. Now you've brought in more, I guess you could say negativity into your business um, rather than continue to work with people who are going to be positive, who continue to elevate you and help you elevate the industry. So, so should I tell them what we do when we fire a patient? <laughs> you could. <laughs> she has a great thing. <laughs> so our clinic is amazing. Our staff is amazing. And we just gel. 
we just there's no drama nothing so <laughs> they're laughing at me <laughs> but we just gel like we have a we have a nice time so when you walk in our clinic there's a really nice vibe and um you know sometimes we, sometimes you get very difficult patients who are you can't make happy at all we're going to discuss some of those later on and if you can't make them happy and nothing will make them, make them happy um i just say I, we can fix the outside we can't fix the inside so mm-hmm. we choose to just let them go so we've only had a couple that we've had to bring in and physically and really fire them and re, you know refund whatever because we don't want to do more treatments on them we say you know what we're sorry we're not a good match you need to go but when that happens um we have tequila in the back room and we all take a shot at night (laughs) it's a team shot it's a team building thing (laughs) nobody likes the tequila but it was just like a cool team 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 building thing that we just if somebody takes our joy away we don't want that to happen yeah yeah awesome That's going right. to get out, you guys. Oh, my gosh. But anyway. <laughs> it's okay. <Yeah. laughs> Everybody has their things. <laughs> <laughs> so, ooh, this is a good one. Next question. Next question. So, next question is, will you accept patients who are rude to staff? That's a difficult one because ultimately, I will probably say... Um, the ones that sometimes are rude to staff, when they come in and see me, they're super sweet and nice. I'm like, how is that possible? They're so sweet. They're so nice. They can't be possibly rude to anybody, right? But they are. Yeah. And, you know, you have your staff that tells you that they are obnoxious to them, yet when in the sight of the practitioner, they're complete 180 degree opposite. So in those cases, I mean, I have had to t- have a conversation with the patient. It's like, hey, this is unacceptable. And if you continue, we will fire you as a patient. And so um, I, think, I think it's something you need to create a culture in your clinics that you are there for your team and mm-hmm. not just to accept patients who are going to be rude um, and obnoxious to your staff. Yeah. yeah, that's that's happened to us before, too. And I think it's so important. We've had someone that came in that was very rude to my front office. And my front office is the n- nicest person around who takes more time with people than I ever could. <laughs> She's amazing. And and um, this person was extremely rude, very, very rude to her. And I could hear her off the side because I'm in a different room. I could hear her talking and being as nice as possible. And she scheduled the patient, but when the patient came in to me, I knew that um, I would have to kind of read this patient to kind of see where she was. And she was nice to me, mm-hmm. and um, that was all well and fine, but we put a do not return on her, so we did not have an appointment available um, now or ever if she ever calls, <laughs> which is a really nice way to fire them. There's just nothing available. Um, because she was so rude to my front office and I don't allow that. And if anything, the front office knows or the staff knows we'll back, be behind them. Yeah. They know we'll, we'll back them. Yeah. I mean, at the so. end of the day, you have to realize that having a good team as part of your support is important. Mm-hmm. It's, it is building a culture and especially this day and age with, I think, the whole generational things that we talk about, the millennials and the Gen Zs and how they are a little bit different. I think that we have to find that right balance for everybody and the everybody in the staff in your clinic as far as the culture, what meshes together, what makes the team work together to make your patients happy because that's what they're there for. They're there to build their confidence. They're there to 
um, become a happier person, more confident, right? And if they're um, if they're not making the same reciprocation to your you and your staff, it's something that just is not a right fit. And unfortunately, in this world, there's gonna be a lot of people that just have a chip on their shoulder and like to step on other people and. Ultimately, if that's how you're okay with your your dealing with your staff, them dealing with your staff like that, then that's how you run your business and how you run your culture. Um, but for us, we we like to have a nice uh, culture that really is inviting, that is a family oriented type of uh, environment that everybody is on the same page and we respect each other. Um, and so, yeah, I think that you. you for us, at least, we we will not kind of tolerate the rudeness um, with our staff. You yeah, know. and other patients notice. If patients are in the waiting room, I've had patients come to me from other offices and notice that you know they were another patient was allowed to be rude to the front office. So other patients hear this and see this, and they kind of judge. You know, they kind of judge. Uh, you 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 know. People treat you how you allow them to treat you. And um, we, we like to keep a happy clinic because 99.9% yes. .9 of our patients are amazing and yes. fun and they make our day enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So um, we don't want to tilt that. No, definitely, over. Yeah. definitely not. What's our next patient? What's our next question? Next patient. How do you deal with patients who insist on getting the wrong treatment? Ooh, how do you do that, Lori? Education. I educate <laughs> the heck out of them. Yeah. So they understand why. Yeah. I think people are, who are insistent, they, they see things on the internet, they see things on Instagram, and, and they think that, oh, that's what I want. And they, and they come into you and you're like, that's not at all what you need. Mm -hmm. So I think education is a, is a really big thing. And most of these people we can definitely, or I could definitely turn around just with simple like an anatomical aging, the anatomy of aging, and there then they understand why yeah. everything has. And occurred. then these these are the type of patients who are you know they, their friend got it and they yeah. did this for their friends, so they expect that it's going to do the same for them, for they yeah. themselves and their expectations. And so it, it really is education, helping them understand what maybe something different between them. Um, that we're all individuals. I mean, you may dress the same, but your shoe size is different. You, the clothes size is different than your friends. Um, and so the, the treatment plan is going to be different because everybody's going to age differently. Their genetics are going to play a factor into it. Um, and so it really is uh, a, a talk of education, helping the patients understand why they need this type of treatment versus this type of treatment and sometimes i tell them it's not a bad thing to get that treatment but right now the first thing we need to do is this because of that exactly uh, yeah exactly because we want people to look normal as we are reversing the age clock so people will come in constantly and say i need nasal labial folds because susie got them and she looked great well this patient has a flat mid face so if you put nasolabial folds in, before you correct a mid-face, they're not going to look normal. They're going to look like a monkey because they're going to mm -hmm. look too thick here and hollow here, and that's not normally how we age. So we have to replace volume as we age in reverse. Yeah. So we need to replace mid-face, and if we still need nasolabials, do it after that. Then we'll keep them looking natural as we um, replace volume, but it's important to educate that patient. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah, it, 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 unfortunately, you get this a lot. 
you will probably or they, encounter or they just, this a lot. I just want one syringe and I'm 65 oh. years old and I've never done anything else. <laughs> Those are so the, I pull up hmm. my, I pull out my taco sauce packet <laughs> and I go, how many syringes is in this? They're like one. I'm like, no, 10. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, so it's, like a goal. it's just getting that perception of what a syringe can do and can't do. Yeah, it's hard because your patients yeah. are, are they, uh, they watch social media, they watch TV, they watch what's put out there, and they don't know. It comes in a nice big package, and they think that they're getting all of that into their face, and they've unfortunately seen bad work. And so bad work, unfortunately, is the thing that is stuck in their mind mm -hmm. versus good work because if it's done well and is done naturally, you'll never know that they got stuff done. Um, and that's the catch 22, right? In our, yeah. in our field is that good work is never noticed because it's good. Bad work is noticed because it's bad. And <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a hard thing and conceptually it's easy for us to understand that because we're in the industry and we know, but for your patient who does not know whatever is put on by Kim Kardashian and whatever the Beverly Hills housewives and the Orange County's housewives look like, they're the one, they're the ones that set the trends of, Oh, I got this done. I did this and blah, blah, blah. And now they think that they do this one thing and they're going to look like that with yeah. this one thing. And it, it takes a lot of education, takes some patience sometimes in, in talking to that patient, but I think you can get them on the same track. Um, I, I, I'm a big person who makes sure that I try to address the patient's priority needs. Um, I think I was in training in, in Hawaii, uh, last week and we were listening to this patient. We were talking about consultations and we just, we gave the mirror to the patient and the patient, you know, I was telling the, the practitioner, okay, when I, when I counsel my patients, I am always trying to deal with the first top two issues. And they'll always come to you and say, well, mm -hmm. you're the expert. You tell me what I need. And I think I, I told the picture, that's a trap to not to fall into because <laughs> that opens a big can yes, of worms that you just cannot dig yourself out. You'll spend hours and hours and hours going through all the treatments you could possibly do. And they'll come out more confused and they'll waste, unfortunately, more of your time. And so, I, I talk to them and I say, you need to focus on the top two. You know, what we do is not something that people walk into and just go, oh, you know what? Let me get my Botox. Let me get my fillers. I want threads today. Um, majority of people are actually making appointments. They're setting time aside from their busy schedules to come and see you. And so it's not something that is a whim. It's, it's a thought. It's something that... It, it, something hits them that they hit this barrier and they're like, I need to get through this barrier somehow. And what we do is going to get them through this barrier. So they're typically is tell them top two things, you know, give them a mirror. And if they say, Hey, you tell me, cause you're the expert. I'm like, no, 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 no. You tell me, cause this is something that you called in, you made an appointment for. So what are the things that bother you? And so when you listen to them, you know, even saying, you know, when you wake up in the morning, what are the first two things that you see? And they'll go boom, boom. One of the things that she ended up doing is, well, you know, she made jokes uh, about her under eye. She just made a joke. Oh, I just look so tired. But, you know, this is what bothered me. Nasal labels and cheeks. I'm like, 
I said, I tell the practitioner, look, she made fun of her under eyes twice. Mm -hmm. And that was the first thing she talked about. Even though she said she wanted nasolabials and cheeks and other things, she mentions her under eyes twice in a joke, not saying that she wanted to get them done, but as a joke that it kind of was bothering her, but it was okay, don't worry about it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, so you understand that that under eye area is actually a primary need for you to dis to at least address as part of this first treatment plan. And so it was interesting that you have to read some of the nuances of your patients. They may be joking, they may say this and that, but you have to kind of read between the lines sometimes into understanding what your patients wants and needs are. I so agree with that. Many times the patients will um, mention quite a few different things that they see, mm -hmm. and I'll be writing, writing things down, and, and I really listen for where they're accentuation is like what what's really bothering them what am i hearing and what do they go back to a couple times so and when i'm done letting them tell me everything that bothers them i will say okay so what i'm hearing from you what i've heard that's your biggest priority is is this is that right they're like yeah that's my biggest priority and that's you just have to listen it's, it's active listening mm -hmm. and you really want to listen and and kind of go back again and say so what i'm hearing are is this and this these two things are your top issues that bother you, right? Or not? Or do I, did I not hear the right thing? And most of the time, if we're listening and not making our shopping list, <laughs> uh, they will say, yeah, that's it. And I said, okay, th those are the ones we're going to start with. Yeah. The other stuff we can address, and I write those all down on their consult form, but those are the ones we're going to start with, um, as long as it fits with the our anti-aging, you know, For sure. I mean, this procedures. is, this is a field of building relationships. I mean, we've been doing it for over decades yeah. now. I'm almost close to two. <laughs> but I actually have patients that are probably upwards in that 15, 15 year range that have followed me yeah, and me been too. with me. And those are the ones that now, <laughs> my poor MAs, they're the ones that like, they don't know what they're doing. Because <laughs> I have my MAs try and figure out what they're doing so they can set up the room properly and everything like that. And they're like, uh, they always say, you know, whatever the doctor wants. And honestly, <laughs> it, it becomes like that where they trust you enough that whatever you say, they're going to get done on, at that point. But when you're first meeting a patient, developing that relationship, it is really trying to figure out from them what their top two on the list is, because this list is endless. We are humans. We're going to constantly pick at ourselves. Lori and I stare at ourselves in the mirror in this <laughs> little horrible big screen TV. And we're like, okay, we need to work on this and this <laughs> and this. We have it planned out. So, I mean, the list is endless. The list Bad. is constantly endless because we're constantly aging. And, and we never have time to do anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll do today after Bad. this, after right? This? After okay. this, okay. <laughs> But, you know, that's it's all about relationship building and, you know, and really helping them get educated on what you can do, what you can't do. Like even doing a nasolabial fold. I mean, if they come in, you know, I will kind of talk to them a little bit about, OK, I can do your nasolabial fold this one time just to kind of get them over because they may just be delving into it. And I tell them it's because the mid cheek and all of this is starting to lose volume. And I'll do it this one time, but I won't continue to inject this area if you don't come back and start working on other areas that have started to create this issue. 
because ultimately I think sometimes they are on a budget. They don't expect, they don't know how much this stuff really costs. And when you say, okay, you're going to need four syringes to do here and here and here, then, then they hear the budget and they're like, oh, what? <laughs> it kind of slaps them in the face, a little bit of reality check of what mm -hmm. aging really is and why I think a lot of times I'm starting to promote and tell my patients, start a little bit earlier, start a little bit earlier. Don't wait until it's too late. And then you come in wanting a magic wand waved and to pay a tiny little bit amount and fix everything. And so I will address like a nasolabial fold initially, but I will have that conversation and I'll document it that next time we do anything, if you come back and you keep doing nasolabial fold, I will not do it. But that's me and that's my relationship building because now at least I've addressed their issue and then we move on from there to address the actual real issue of why that's there and explaining it through on the aspect of yep. it. So, um, okay. What's our next Tangents. <laughs> What's our next one? How do you respond to an unhappy patient? Mm. Oh boy, go ahead. Unhappy patients. I mean, I think you have to delve into why they're unhappy. Um, I think it, it can be that, you know, maybe the treatment wasn't the best for them. Um, you know, um, or let's talk secondarily, about our, their let's expectation <laughs> is. Let's talk involved. about our TOSI patients. Oh. You talk about yours first, because I was in your clinic years ago. Oh, which oh, one? Oh, the wedding. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. I had a really unhappy patient. Yeah. Two weeks prior to her wedding, I drooped her eye. How long ago was this? Oh this my was gosh. probably 10 years ago. 13, 14 years, 14 years ago. Years yeah. ago? Yeah, literally drooped her eye two weeks before her wedding. She was so pissed at me, so pissed at me. But I think if you can manage them, show the empathy, talk them through it. I called her every day, just walked her through. Because, you know, you're going to have your ups and downs. They understand, but at the end of the day, they also look at themselves. And, and then, unfortunately, they get the outside people right yeah. the 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 friends like how could that happen blah 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 and you know that this happens it's it's still medicine it's why we call practicing medicine nobody is perfect every single one of us will get some kind of adverse event mm -hmm. sometime in our careers and so it's about how you show empathy how you deal with this unhappy patient who's gotten this bad result unfortunately an adverse event i think it's about how it shows your character and how you manage them i've heard a lot of stories from patients who have seen me that they were just kind of dumped and ignored on the wayside and it's like there was no explanation it was like oh this is your fault they end up turning it around and blaming it onto the patient that's what you should not when do. we know ourselves ethically that it is something that can happen that we need to take ownership for and i think if you take ownership for those adverse events you run you you gain a a potential lifetime patient my patient we joke about it all the time she still holds it against me every time we do her talks in the marriage don't draw me don't draw me <laughs> and we we make fun of it but i mean it is something that even 
you know, 10, 12 years later, she is a great patient of mine. Her husband loves me and always says, tell him I said hi and stuff Isn't like that, crazy? that, which is crazy because you would think that they would be the unhappiest, write bad reviews and blah, blah, blah. But I think if you're able to have that right relationship and this is where this field is about relationship, I think that's why I stuck in this field. Um, it's because I got into family medicine thinking that I was going to have these happy relationships with my patients, not realizing what medicine had become and mm -hmm. how it's just become a check mark list and go next check list. Um, and to have fallen into this field and go, wow, I actually get to spend time with my patients. I get to um, actually build relationships with patients. It's, it's been uh, so gratifying and so amazing to be a part of this field and watch it grow and literally grow old, I guess. <laughs> grow old with my patients <laughs> is really what it is. Um, and luckily most of my patients are still a little bit older than me because they always taunt me and say, you better not leave me until I'm one foot, until I'm in the grave, you're not <laughs> leaving this field. And so I'm like, all right, all right, I'm still younger than you, so we're, we're good at this point in time. But I mean, I think that building those relationships is what will get you through taking ownership if you have an adverse event yeah. um, and, and being there for the patient and doing as much as you can to get them through this unfortunate adverse event. And I think putting yourself in their position. Um, I had a patient similar, maybe four years ago, gave her a, a blepharitosis before a big event and her lid was probably half closed. It wasn't all the way closed, but it was still traumatic. Um, and she it was the first time I had seen her and done neuromodulator on her glabella. And um, she was, oh, she was mad. She mm. hated me. And um, I would prescribe iopidine. Um, she said she used it, it didn't touch her. And I'm thinking, it's gonna work a little bit. It's gotta work a little bit. And she wouldn't come back in, would not let me reevaluate her. But I continued to call her. Every couple weeks I would check in, no matter what. I don't care if she wanted to hear from me or not. I'd make sure my staff gave her a call, checked in, make sure everything was okay, or I would try to call um, and follow her through this whole thing, um, thinking I'd never see her again, okay? She is now, like, she loves me. <laughs> She's come, I've done fillers, I've done all kinds of stuff on her. We've done neuromodulators for you know three years since. It's never happened again. But she is my best friend now, and I never expected that. And I look back and go, how did that happen? Because she hated me. Mm -hmm. And I think it had to do with how much I showed that I was not going to give up just because she was mad. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to follow her through this entire um, adverse event and didn't really blame on her. It's just one of those things that happens, and it's going to go away, but I'm going to help you through this. And I think it's really important yeah. that we let the patients know, look, I'm here for you, mm -hmm. and I'm not going to abandon you, and I've been through this before. It's happened to me. It's happened to numerous people. It's not something, you know, it is going to go away, but I'm going to follow you through this, and that's very important. No, it is. It's it's, it's taking ownership. Yeah. It's it's walking them through this because they don't know it. They, they've gone through this it is traumatic. You're, you're expecting to walk out looking beautiful and confident, and you walk out looking like, a like stroke. ogre. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're a stroke. You look, walk out yeah. looking like Shrek, yeah. and that's not what they're paying for. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it, you have to put yourself in their position. Um, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of us don't understand it. It's kind of like I know in medicine, we're like, you know, you, you see the cancer patients, you see all those, and you know, they, we really don't understand what they're going through mentally, where their whole 
environment of where they are living and how people just you know make make it worse maybe for them um and you're kind of that light to just say hey it's gonna be okay let me walk you through this let me mm -hmm. take you through this pathway that uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel i know there is let me walk you through it um that's that's what's going to get you through it mm -hmm. and if they're gonna stay unhappy and mad at you so be it at the end of the day you can sleep at night knowing that you did the best you could for your your patient you know and that's why you have consent forms that's why we talk to patients through what are the potential things that can happen when you do any of these type of treatments uh, yeah you know what i had a patient that and that's so true you give them you inform them before you do the treatment that some of the adverse events that can happen so that's part of informed consent mm -hmm. and i had a patient that i did the masseters on and it's the only patients ever happened to, but I nicked their, hit their zorius oh. um, doing the masseters. And she came back to me a few weeks later and was like, look, and I smiled. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that's never happened to me before. And she said, no, you told me. You t she, was, she was more calm about it than I was. And I said, I'm so sorry. She was like, no, it'll go away. You warned me. You told me it could hit that little muscle. And, you know, people's muscles are all different and it's never happened again. But that was something that thank I was like, thank God I had informed her that yes, it, this treatment can make your smile crooked. And if it does, it'll go away and it is not fun, but it depends on where the muscles are. So, um, yeah, it was, I was surprised how calm she was, but she was like, no big deal. You told me. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm yep. sorry. <laughs> Great <laughs> sorry. patient there. Oh, God. Great patient there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What other question do we have? All right. How do you oh, approach an overfilled patient, patient who wants more filler? Hmm. <laughs> I, I offer to dissolve them. <laughs> I do. I mean, I see this probably more so with lips. Mm -hmm. I think more so with lips. Yeah. Um, there is a point where I will go no, no more. I won't do anymore. It just overly 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 done but then there are those ones that probably have the migration and it probably with where i my ocd is with regards to getting it to more perfection i will have a conversation like you don't need to dissolve it now but i really 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 suggest you dissolve it I can add a tiny little bit more filler to get it to look a little bit better. But unfortunately, your foundation really, really is sucks. Um, and I know probably some some practitioner will say, no, I won't fill it. I won't do anything. But to me, I don't know where that patient is in her life, what's going on on the backside. If this is something that you know she holds on to as something that she needs to feel confident about herself so i will have that conversation with them and i will tell them i really do need you to dissolve this because this is not looking good for you i'll put a tiny little bit just to suffice to kind of make you a little bit happy but i'm not going to be injecting anymore unless you really do do this so let's plan a time where you can look a little bit deflated and then we'll get you back to where you really want to be and how i envision your lips to be and so uh, i i'm probably in that middle where I, I feel for my patients because i understand you know when you dissolve it out and it goes flat like it's not a pretty picture especially if you're used to looking a certain way um and so uh that's probably how i would approach it um a lot of education a lot of talking them through and then 
planning it out so they're mentally in the right state of mind to dissolve. Um, I try not to stuff it down their throats unless it's really like at a 10 of overfilled. And then I, I, I definitely, no, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, and I have a chance, if they're truly, if they're overfilled and I think they're going to need to be dissolved, I won't inject them. I personally won't. I'll just say, yeah. you know what, what I don't want to happen is you're going to spend X amount of dollars for me to put filler in here, say slips, um, and and you're going to need your Hylinex. You're going to need to get yeah. dissolved. So we're going to be dissolving a lot of what I put in there. So you're going to be wasting your money. So I, I try to really educate them. Yeah. Um, and if they're truly overfilled, no matter where it is, and they ask for more, I kind of go through balance. I'm like, look, you look like this front squared out face and nobody's put anything here. Yeah. You know, a lot of times they, they just forget here and they just fill out here and they're everything's their nasal labials are sticking out here and you can feel big lumps and yeah so i kind of i let i make them fill their own filler in here like lump 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 and these big tubes and um say look it's still there feel it and they're like oh wow you know they don't realize they feel like these big chunks in there <laughs> and um and i let them feel it and and talk to, talk about balance so i usually talk them out of it if they want it in a place that's already overfilled. Yeah. It's just to make it look more abnormal. And those are the people that you don't want to look like that are walking around the high-end stores. It, unfortunately, <laughs> that is the truth. That is the truth, yeah. And I, I do tell my patients, this is gonna cost you to inject. If I do inject, because you're gonna dissolve it later, you're gonna pay for the dissolving as well. Some will choose yeah. to still do it. Like, mm -hmm. um, But you know, like I was in a training yesterday and one of the models that was gonna do lips. I looked at her lips and from the front of you, it was looked fine. And then I got to the side profile, I was like, ooh, you look a duck. <laughs> and I was like, probably not. And she was reasonable, she understood. We went through it all and we, we said, you know what, you probably should come back and just get it dissolved out. It's gonna make it better because we're gonna have a better foundation to jump off with and re-inject it and she was actually okay with that but it definitely takes some education it is not something it's just like oh just do this do this this and expect the patient to jump through hoops to go yep i'm gonna follow what you say um you have to have built a really strong relationship before that does happen yeah absolutely all right next one how do you deal with patients who don't follow post-care instructions and develop an infection complication blaming on the provider huh hmm. I don't think I've ever really had too many of these. I think probably more with regards to lawsuits. I think patients who blame you, for like laser hair removal burns, we get those occasionally. It happens. We know that with laser hair removal, especially for darker, darker Fitzpatrick's. Um, you know, I, I think that unfortunately we live in a litigious society, and as much as you try to walk them through, talk them through, consent them, and talk them that these are things that can definitely happen, especially in those skin types. Uh, it comes down to the personality of who they are, unfortunately. You can't, you, you just either don't do it and know that, you know, if you have this inkling, this gut feeling that this person isn't gonna take care of themselves and they, they're they like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna get it done and I'm gonna go out in the sun, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, and you're just like, wait, I told you not to do those things and here you are still doing it, then I would probably say don't do it. You know, if you do do it, make sure that you have all the post-care things and <laughs> put them on prophylactic antibiotics, put them prophylactic this and that. But I mean, I, I think that you have to have that gut feeling on what you 
what you want to potentially deal with afterwards. I remember when I used to work at your clinic years ago, we used a spectrum, a spectra peak, uh, uh, Q-switch laser to treat melasma. And I was treating a patient over and over and over um, with a Q-switch for her melasma to help mm. break it down. <laughs> and she kept, she would come back and she had these, like her mustache and all this would kept staying dark. And and I sat there and I questioned her. I said, so you're staying out of the sun, right? She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm staying out of the sun. I'm like, okay, because melasma, heat, and UV light is going to trash it. It's going to be darker. No, 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 I'm not in the sun. I'm not in the sun. Well, last week at my son's soccer game, he had a really good game. And I'm like, are you wearing hats? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm wearing hats. What kind of hats are you wearing? I'm wearing baseball hats. Hmm. And I thought, baseball hat, it's covering here. And that's why all of our melasma is right here. And uh -huh. I told her, I'm like, look, you're making it worse. That's why this is not going away as fast as you want it to is because the sun is seeing you from the nose down. And that's exactly where we couldn't get the melasma to go away. So what patients do outside of our office, we can't control with mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, generally they'll come back and go, it's not working. Not, I haven't really been blamed for every, anything per se, yeah. but sometimes like melasma, like it's not working, it's not going away. And that takes a lot of education and we can't, we can control what we can do in the office, but not what they can do, what they do outside of the office. I know. That's, yeah. that's one of the reasons why I got out of family medicine. They started, <laughs> the, the healthcare system started blaming or making the Punitive. responsibility of the practitioners of how your patients live. Like, why is their hemoglobin A1C not controlled? Why is their blood pressure not controlled? I'm like, yeah. I can't tell them to go get their medication. If they decide not to get it and take it and follow the diet plan that we talked about, I've done all that I can. People just make excuses for themselves um, on why this is the thing. And this is unfortunately our society of blame, 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 instead yeah. of taking ownership of what we can do and how we can affect our own change is it is it is a society of um putting the blame onto you why didn't you help me to get this result why didn't you help me to do mm -hmm. this and this and it's like i have given you the pathway i've ex educated you mm -hmm. about that yet you still don't want to do that you don't want to follow my guidelines so pick up on the patients don't realize the they don't realize that they're copping themselves out to you so you can just strike up a nice little conversation with them and you'll find out a lot of stuff hmm. that they're doing that makes sometimes them being non-compliant. I mean, you can do a laser and they're like, yeah, when I was at the river last week and you're like, I just did CO2 on you. Why were you at the river? Oh, oh. <laughs> so they forget. So they'll a lot of times kind of call themselves out. So just be a really good active listener hmm. and, and kind of help with that. Just a conversation about the family and the kids and you'll find a lot out um, in those conversations. <laughs> We have, want to do one more question, so we have to go quick. Sure. How to approach treatments you're not comfortable performing. Oh, um, I don't do them. <laughs> How about you? I mean, I think you... you <laughs> I don't know how we, what we mean by not comfortable. I mean, if you're not educated, not comfortable, then yeah, don't do them yeah. on the patients. But if you're in that state where you're learning, I think this is more like for newer injectors, like you you need to get that experience get a mentor get somebody who can be with you get a proctor yeah, that's who hard, you can do things there. with with somebody with you i mean yeah. it's you can't just stay at a holiday inn last night and think you can inject temples no i mean definitely not i mean you definitely have to have someone walk you through like mm -hmm. threads for sure yeah. you know you need to i think there's a lot of practitioners who are getting 
not great results because they are out there going, well, I know how to inject. I know how to inject with cannulas. I've been doing this field for a long time. And they get and stick it in there. See, it's easy. See, it's easy. And then they end up with all this puckering and all these issues. And then they're like, oh, it's not my fault. It's your fault. You didn't blah, blah, blah. You didn't sleep yeah. right. Or you, they blame the patient. And, and honestly, it, it is a practitioner issue. You know, lumps and bumps are mm -hmm. another thing. I think practitioners go, oh, that lump and bump, that's because you did this and you did this. And they don't take ownership that lumps and bumps in the first week to two weeks is probably caused by you as a practitioner injecting it incorrectly. Oh my gosh, I had a patient come into me the other day with lumpy lips and she was injected somewhere and she said, I know, she goes, I just didn't rub them enough. They told me to massage them and I just didn't massage them enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, no. this is where, pro you know, you guys as practitioners be, be, be mindful of where your limitations are. If you're not comfortable, get more education, find somebody. There are reach out to people and just say, Hey, can I shadow you for a day? Pay them for shadowing. Can I come in and do a private training, pay them for their private training. They're spending time out of their day to educate you. This is a field where you need to self-educate. There is no certification program. There is no um, whatever. There's nothing. Yeah, it's there's, the wild, it's wild, wild west. west. So you yeah. have to hold yourself to a higher standard so that you are getting your patients the best outcomes. And if you're not comfortable, by all means, don't do it. And if you're just barely getting comfortable, you know, you, you find your friends and family that are okay with having a little lumps and bumps and, you know, get comfortable doing it. You know, that's, it, it is going to be a learning curve. You're going to make mistakes. And I think being afraid of making mistakes is also harming a lot of practitioners because how, when you make those mistakes, that's honestly how you learn, you know, you're going to, you know, have some issues every mm -hmm. so often. I don't think any one of yeah. us hasn't had an issue in our career and you can't be so scared of not of approaching an issue. I think those are the times you probably get more, more issues. Yeah. The important well. thing is learning from any problem, yes. learn from it. Exactly. So I think that's, that's the most important thing that we can do is how can I, pre how can I prevent that from happening again? Yep. Exactly. Okay, good stuff. Now we have to, we have to, we have to. Uh, we, we talk a lot. <laughs> I know. We have more questions and we, we, like our hour is almost up. Okay, so we have a, a contest, you guys. So we have um, one free webinar to whoever this is. Yay. To the winner. So we need you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Aesthetic Immersion. Comment on your favorite episode. Um, the win... You'll get, oh, you'll, the winner will get one webinar from our library and we'll announce the winner at our next AI Live. Yes. So our next yeah. AI Live is going to be October the 4th, I believe, right? October 4th? It's the first Tuesday in October. First Tuesday yes. of October. October 4th. I was right. There you go. October 4th, same okay. time, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, and what we're going to be talking about is understanding social styles during consultation. So, yeah. you know, starting to read your patients. There are, there are certain types of patients that you need to do certain things to get them to buy into you. Um, so we'll talk about the different types of patients that it'll come be, in. It'll be interesting. It's um, going to help you how to, 
how to communicate with different communication styles. Right. So it'll be really, really a good thing to listen to. So this webinar will be replayed um, in seven days. You can find it on YouTube. Um, just follow us at the Aesthetic Immersion on YouTube. And then this will also be as a podcast for you guys that are starting to listen as podcast listeners on Apple Podcasts as well as Amazon Music. Perfect. So thank you for joining us here at AI Live. We'll and we will see you next month. Bye, guys. Thanks, you guys. Bye-bye. Well, that was our podcast for today. Well, be sure to check out our other episodes. And as always, thank you for tuning in to the Aesthetic Immersion Podcast. Catch you next time.